0: All right. As you're finding your way back to your seat, you're going to want a couple of different things. You're going to want to get into teams of at least three. So you want to get teams of at least three. You might want to pull pull a fourth member in there. You're going to want something to write with. And while, you, while you're doing that, Kelly's going to walk around and give everybody a, uh, a sheet of paper. Um, we're going to be kind of putting several, several scriptures in front of you. So uh, go ahead and get into some teams that you can, you're going to feel comfortable talking with and sharing with, uh, but Kelly's going to walk around. She's going to give you a page of, of message notes, but uh, you're going to want to be near some folks so you can bounce some thoughts and ideas off folks. You also are going to want a copy of God's word. So I do want everybody to go ahead and reach under the chairs. If you didn't bring yours, if you're, or maybe you use your phone, uh, however you want to do it. You can't exactly add them. Go ahead and take the chairs apart. If you want to circle up, however you want to do it, however it makes you most comfortable as you're going to talk to folks. Luke chapter 11, starting with verse 1, says this, "'He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, "'Lord, teach us to pray.'" Just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, Whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not bring us into temptation. In Matthew chapter six, it's the same, same story, but it's phrased a little bit differently in the way that Matthew caught it. He said, Therefore you should pray Like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored, As holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. You are my rock, you are my redeemer. Father, may I decrease so that you might increase and may we conclude our time this evening more like you than when we started because we've been in your presence We've heard your voice. We've been changed by your word. Lord, teach us to pray. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We've just added, we've been working our way through the different phrases of the Lord's Prayer, what we are really starting to call the, the model prayer. Uh, we've been working phrase by phrase, and this week we're adding this, this section that says, and forgive us our debts, or forgive us our transgressions, or forgive us our sins, however it, it might be written in your, uh, your translation. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those uh, who have sinned against us. Um, it may seem a little bit, uh, I guess, obvious, but there are two perspectives on, on this word forgiveness, uh, two two ways that we need to wrestle with and understand and apply uh, the concept of forgiveness uh, to our lives as believers, as Christ followers, as as Christians. Just a little uh, history on the word Christian uh, that kind of will seem ironic, especially when we're thinking of forgiveness. Um, Christians or little Christs, uh, historically, uh, most historians believe that the tag Christian was placed on Christ followers sort of as a, a derogatory term or a slang term term uh, to kind of make fun of them. Uh, when I was in, I'm going to open this up. Uh, when I was in high school, we moved from Georgia to, um, to Texas. And uh, my, my nickname at the, on the football team in the, at Georgia, they called me Duck because my feet, when I lined up to stands, my feet did this And so they called me, I was a center, uh, which it worked for me because I could go either direction. Um, And when I moved to Texas, um, they called me Peaches. And it was because I was from Georgia, but it really was I was one of six or seven white guys on the team, uh, and they just didn't consider any white guys to be athletic, and so uh, they just, it was just a derogatory term, uh, and they and so but it stuck. Matter of fact, I have several guys that I went to high school with go and play in the NFL, and if if you asked any of them who Jonathan Key was, they would not know who I was at all. But if you were like, but don't you remember Peaches? They'd be like, oh my gosh. I knocked him out, um, and so. But it was it was sort of a, at first it was a derogatory name given to me to try to get me to quit. Um, we're going to call them Christians. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna call them we're gonna name them after the guy that they said they followed Jesus Christ they they called him the Christ they called him the Messiah and and we killed him so we're gonna create this derogatory name uh, and so that's that's one of the one of the historical uh, thoughts behind how we came to the the term Christian. But we're, we're, we're called to forgive. We are called to forgiveness. And there's, there's really two perspectives regarding forgiveness that, that we need to look at. One is our need for it. And the second is our need to offer it. When we look at forgiveness, we, there's two ways that we look at it. And this would be one of the first things I'd just challenge you to write down. We're looking at it from our need for forgiveness. But we're also, we need to look at forgiveness as our need to offer it. This is what we're called to as believers. We, we need his forgiveness, but we also need to offer it on a regular basis. The Gospel Coalition defines this, or says it like this. It says, The Christian doctrine of forgiveness is that God has lifted the sentence of condemnation upon Christians for their sins through the death of Christ on their behalf and no longer counts them as guilty. We'll pause right there the Christian doctrine of forgiveness, what we believe about forgiveness is that God has lifted the sentence of condemnation Upon Christians, those who choose to give their life to Christ, who 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 acknowledge Him as Lord and Savior, who claim Him to be the authority over their lives, whether we ask Jesus into our heart, whether we make Him our Lord and Savior, however you want to phrase it, if you are a Christ follower, God has lifted the sentence of condemnation upon Christians because of their sins through the death of Christ. He's done that on our behalf, and He no longer counts them as guilty. Then they say, "This forgiveness is necessary." Both because God is just and all humans are guilty of sin. Forgiveness is necessary because God is just and all humans are guilty of sin. If you want to take a go, go back one there, uh, Jim, if you don't mind. If you want to take a picture of that just so that you have it, we'll leave it up for just a second. And then we'll go back to it. But while, and we're going to leave this up. So, but while doing that, take your copy of God's Word and find either Psalm 32 or Psalm 103. I'm going to leave this up for just a second, and we'll, then we'll do the next phrase as well. So you can take a picture of it if you'd like it. But go ahead and take your copy of God's Word and turn to Psalm 32 or Psalm 103. And what I'd like you to do with these two Psalms is if you've got Psalm 32, I'd like you to read the first two verses and if you've got Psalm 103, I want you to read verses 6 through 10. If you've got Psalm 32, I want you to read the first two verses. And if you chose Psalm 103, I want you to read verses 6 through 10. And after you've read, after somebody in your group has read that, I want the rest of you to react to it. What did you hear? That's all I want you to do. I want you to read and I want you to react. With the under, under the umbrella of this topic called forgiveness, I want you to listen to whoever's reading Psalm 32, verses 1 through 2. And then once they're finished reading, I want the rest of you, what did you hear? And then, then somebody reads Psalm 103, verses 6 through 10. Once they're done reading, everybody else react to what you heard. What jumped out at you? Uh, let's put for the next phrase up there, Jim, so they can take a picture of that if they want as well. This is the second half. Forgiveness is necessary both because God is just And all humans are guilty of sin. We'll leave this up for a few seconds, but we'll start playing the music. Y'all start reading Psalm 32 and Psalm 103 and react in your group. On your mark, get set, go. There is a, I guess there's an assumption that if you're here on a Wednesday night, that you've, you've got at least some understanding of some of the terms that we use, but I don't want to assume anything. So, but I think a lot of us understand what, what sin is. Um, so when you read something like this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in faithful love. Apply that to yourself. The Lord is compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in faithful love. He won't always accuse us. He won't always be angry forever. And then then apply verse 10 of Psalm 103 to yourself. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. He has not repaid us according to our iniquities. I I don't know about you and I cannot speak for you, but when I think of the things that I have done against God and I, I think of what I've earned and then I read that he's compassionate, slow to anger, he's abounding in faithful love, he's not dealt with me as my sins have deserved. I don't know, maybe that's just me. One of the realities of salvation is coming to a point where we realize our need for a Savior. When we, we can only come uh, to that realization that we need a Savior when we understand uh, what it is that we need to be saved from, which is we need to be saved from uh, our sin. Well, it's not the only tool uh, for sharing salvation. It's uh, I would offer that uh, what I'm about to share is an effective tool, and that was one of the reasons I wanted you to have a piece of paper and, and something to write with so that you could write this down and just have it for the days ahead. You're probably familiar with it, but it never hurts to repeat something like this. Uh, it's called the Roman Road, and you've probably heard of it, but as we're talking about forgiveness and sin and, and understanding the two perspectives, uh, I thought it would be helpful. Uh, and I want to leave. Uh, Jim, I'd like to go back to the last half of the quote uh, the forgiveness uh, the forgiveness part yeah and, and just leave that up there while we're while we 're looking through the Roman road but I do want you to turn to each uh, each verse so if you 'll go ahead and find the book of Romans in your Bible if you 'll find the book of Romans in your Bible uh, it 's in the New Testament Matthew Mark Luke John the book of Acts and then immediately Romans. And we begin our journey on the Roman road with Romans chapter 3 and looking at specifically verses 22 and 23. 22 and 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 22 and 23 say this, The righteousness of God, which is that's God's holiness, God's set-apartness, God's righteousness. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, we... We, um, we become right with God. We have a relationship with God. God has relationship with us through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe since there is no distinction. In other words, we're all the same in this particular way. Verse 23, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When any time that I baptize somebody, uh, particularly a child, this is the way I explain it. Sin is, is sort of twofold. Sin is doing what God has told us us not to do or not doing what God has told us to do. Doing what God has told us not to do or not doing what God has told us to do. And that said what we what we need to understand about sin is that it's not just about being wrong or being immoral. When we speak of sin, we we are when we use the word sin, again, it's not about just wrong, an error, or we made a mistake, or that it's, it's immoral. When we talk about it being sin, what we're understanding is that it is God that we've ultimately offended. We've offended the holiness of a righteous God. And one of the best examples that scripture gives us of this is 2 Samuel chapter 11. You may want to just jot that down and go write it later. Does anybody just automatically know what 2 Samuel chapter 11 is? It's the story of David and Bathsheba. So David, it, it, the passage starts out that in the season, in the spring, when, 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 when the kings went out to war. And it, so that was the season, and David decided to stay home. Uh, and David was kind of out on his balcony, and he looked out over. And on top of the rooftop, uh, this, this lady Bathsheba is taking a bath. And David's like, I, 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 I like that, honey. I, I want I I her to come over to my place and he sends for her because she he's the king she she comes now bathsheba is is a married woman her husband's name is uriah he's on the front front lines of the battle and but david sleeps with her anyway he he commits adultery with this woman and and then it, she she it, she 's with child, and so David looks to cover it up, so he brings as the war is going on, he brings Uriah off the off the war and gives him an opportunity to go home and, and sleep with his wife and he's hoping that, that that will help cover their sin, but Uriah is a stand up guy, and he just he, no i'm not going to do this while all my my peers are out on the battlefield i 'm not going to do that i''m going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and i 'm going to go back and fight with them and then and then David tries a number of times, and finally Uriah will not do it, so David finally sends ahead. And he tells uh, the captain to, to put Uriah on the front line and then to abandon him so that he'll, he'll be killed. So David murders Uriah to cover up his own sin. And then as the story progresses, uh, David is confronted with his sin he, it's, it, the Lord has seen it. He sends his prophet to talk to David and to confront David. And David has this, this in, incredible moment of grief and repentance. And you find the, you, the story of David and Bathsheba is in 2 Samuel chapter 11. But David's response to being confronted with his sin is Psalm 51. So take your Bibles and hold your place in Romans, but turn to Psalm 51. or on your phones or whatever you're using and he says he says the following He's just been confronted with his sin. Nathan came to him. He confronted him with his sin. David is just in grief and in mourning over his sin. it's not just something he feels like he's done wrong. It's not just this immoral act, even though he's had two immoral acts. He committed adultery with a married woman and he murdered her husband. He says, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt. Cleanse me from my sin, for I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. And here it is, against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. And he keeps going and he says, so you are right when you pass sentence. You're blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. His his actions are against Bathsheba. His actions are against Uriah. But when he's apologizing, when he recognizes his sin, he, he understands that what he has done has been an offense to the holiness and the righteousness of God. And that is what is tearing him apart. Yes, he is probably sorry and repentant about what he's done to Bathsheba. He's sorry about what he's done to Uriah. But what he honestly recognizes is that his sin is a personal affront and offense to the holiness of God. And so when he's asking for forgiveness, it's because he understands the weight of his sin for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Romans 3.23 is making sure we all understand everyone is a sinner. Everyone sins. The next step on the journey on the Roman road is Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. Paul says, the wages of sin is death. If you look back uh, into verse 21, he uses a different word. In my translation, it says he uses the word outcome. The outcome of those things is death. The wages of sin is death. And when he's talking about wages or outcome, he's talking about the result, the consequence. And he's not just talking about um, a physical death but he 's also talking about a spiritual death uh, a, 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 an eternal spiritual death uh, one of the reasons for his use of the word wages is because he wants us to see uh, he wants us to see the analogy and understand the idea of our sin as an idea of debt and those words are interchangeable outcome result consequences because they all help us understand that the consequence of our sin is death separation from God eternally speaking forever being separated from from God. So everyone sins and when you sin that the result of that sin is death. We need forgiveness of that. But Romans 5, let Let's turn to Romans 5:8. Romans 5:8, but if you actually start reading in verse 6, for while we were still helpless, while we were still lost in our sins, so when we use the word lost, that's what we mean. We were helpless. We were lost in our sin. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Rarely will somebody die for a just person, though for a good person, someone might perhaps dare to die. But God proves his, remember we talked about those but God moments. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. In John's gospel, John's John's gospel uses the term the world, the ungodly. People before Christ, all of us, while we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In John's first letter, in addition to his gospel, John also wrote three letters and the book of Revelation. In his first letter, he uses the word atoning or atonement. He says uh, that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not just for ours, but also for the sin of the world. in 1 John chapter two, verse two. That's another one to go right down and go back to when you have a chance because the word atoning or atonement is this idea of, of what Jesus did was the compensation. It was the reparation. He, he created the reconciliation. He paid the price for those wages. We owed a debt. There were wages for our sin and he paid it. The holiness of God I don't know how good a job I'm doing with this. The holiness of God and sin are incompatible. They are always, they are always in conflict. Sin, the, 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 the focus of sin is God's wrath. God hates sin because sin is the obstacle between he and us. Sin is what keeps us from having the relationship with God that, that we were created to have, and we're the ones who choose to put it there, but it's there. Christ's death on the cross satisfies with, the, with that wrath. The way I explain it uh, to, to especially the children when they come to me is that here's God, here's us. We were created to be in a relationship with him, but when we sin, when we do the things that we're not supposed to do, when we don't do the things that we're supposed to do, when we are when we offend God, we, just, we break that relationship. God's, the sin that we do demands God's wrath, and that's what put Christ on the cross. But when Christ went to the cross, he satisfied God's wrath. He put that, he atoned for that sin, and he reconciled us back to God. You and I are allowed to have a relationship with the God of the universe because the sin, the wrath went on the sin, the sin went on the son and and all of a sudden we got the forgiveness. He got the wrath, we got the forgiveness. And when we understand that, when we believe it in our hearts and we confess it with our mouths, we're ready for Romans chapter 10 verses nine and 10. says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation the first part perspective of forgiveness that we have to grasp uh, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us the second half is that we we have we have a need to offer it it's our need for it and our need to offer it. In your groups, I'm going to start calling out some scriptures. I want you to write them down, and I want you to do the same thing that you, you did just a moment ago. I want you to have somebody in the group read it, and the rest of the group will react to it. But they're they're this. They provide this idea of offering forgiveness. Mark chapter 11 verses 22 through 26. Mark chapter 11 verses 22 through 26. Somebody's going to read it and then the rest of the group's going to react. What jumps out at you? Luke chapter 23 verses 33 and 34. Mark chapter 11 verses 22 through 26. Luke chapter 23 verses 33 and 34. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 13. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 13. James, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. James, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And Ephesians, chapter 4, starting with verse 31 and going through chapter 5, verse 2. James, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 31 through chapter 5, verse 2. Somebody in the group read, everybody else react. Under this umbrella of the idea that we have to offer forgiveness as well. We need forgiveness, but we have to offer it as well. If you need me to repeat one of those, just come on up here and take a look. Otherwise, on your mark, get set, go. about another minute. So I'll highlight two, two of the things that you hopefully just had an opportunity to read. But I hope you wrote them down so that you can go back to them later as, as you consider this idea of forgiveness. The first perspective being that we need forgiveness. We're sinners. We we have offended a holy God. And we need his forgiveness. But the other half of the equation, the other perspective of forgiveness is that we we need to offer it to those who have Offended us. I don't know about you. Have you ever been hurt or offended? Probably by no, no. I'm good. Probably, probably it may have been by me. I don't know. But but you know, I think we can all say at some point in our journeys, somebody has offended us. Um, I I absolutely love. I don't love when I've offended somebody, but I absolutely love. When I when I have when they come straight to me, it wasn't very long ago that I, 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 I made a mistake. I had an error in judgment. I offended somebody, and the very next morning I got a phone call, and, and it was just this: Hey, this bothered me, and, and I wanted I just wanted to I wanted to bring this to you. And the minute I, I I just I just apologized. Minute right there. And I appreciated the opportunity that they gave me to do that. That's forgiveness. That's an example of forgiveness. When we don't offer it, what do you? What would you say is the opposite of forgiveness? Who said bitterness? One of the opposites of forgiveness is bitterness. And who does bitterness affect? The other person. Probably not. They've probably moved on. But it affects, it affects you. And bitterness is the root that grows within you. In the Colossians passage, it, it, the Ephesians chapter says that where it starts off with remove all bitterness from you. But the Colossians verse says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you also are to forgive Ephesians five one says to be imitators of God. How do you imitate God? You follow the example set by his son. And just as the Lord has forgiven you, you are also to forgive. I have offended a holy God. I am nothing close to being holy. But I have offended a holy God. And if he has forgiven me, then I am also to forgive others. I thought Matthew West said it very well. I thought about playing it, but I thought I'd just read it. Just let this... Uh, just listen to the, his lyrics. He, Matthew West wrote a song called Forgiveness. If you have a chance to listen to it on the way home, uh, put it in your, in your playlist and, and let it uh, wash over you. It's the hardest thing to give away. It's the last thing on your mind today. It always goes to those who don't deserve. It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they caused is just too real. It takes everything you have to just say the word. Laura, come on up. It flies in the face of all your pride. It moves away the mad inside. It's always anger's own worst enemy. Even when the jury and the judge say you've got a right to hold a grudge, it's the whisper in your ear saying, set it free. Forgiveness. Show me how to love the unlovable. Show me how to reach the unreachable. Help me now to do the impossible. Forgiveness. It'll clear the bitterness away. It can even set a prisoner free. There's no end to what its power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through the eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really sets free is you. Forgiveness. Show me how to love the unlovable. Show me how to reach the unreachable. Help me now to do the impossible. I want to finally set it free. Show me how to see what your mercy sees. Help me now to give what you gave to me. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Lord, teach us to pray. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord, would you lead us in a time of prayer as we pray with with one another this evening. Okay, so I've got...
1: Um... A few slides to walk us through the ACTS model that we've been doing. I think it's going to be hard for all of us tonight to specifically stay in adoration and not think about what I need to confess or specifically stay in my confession and not think about my gratitude to God. Um, So if you're like me, I'm a very literal person, and if you give me a box, I feel like I have to stay in it sometimes, but feel free to flow between adoration and thanksgiving and confession and... And through. Um, I think we've also done, through talking through this tonight, maybe a lot of already kind of personal introspection on what we've been forgiven for. We know from God what we need to forgive others for, what we need to ask forgiveness for. Um, So I'm going to ask you to do a little bit more of that as we go through. Um, So each one, share in your group if you're comfortable, but if you feel very introspective and you need to just Pray with God. I I think that's okay for this this topic, specifically. Um, but adoration. This this is just a verse I'd like us to use to um, to pray our adoration to God for who He is. It focuses on His steadfast love, His mercy, His grace, all of those attributes of Him that are what enable Him to give us that forgiveness. Um, so I'll read it. Um, and, then, and then we'll pray through it, or you can pray through it together. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So just in your groups now, pray through each one of those attributes. Pray to God and tell him how merciful he is and how grateful you are. Tell him how gracious he is and slow to anger. And really think about that as you think about his forgiving nature um, and as we move together. So go ahead and take a few minutes, talk together through those things, but really pray together about who God is and these attributes of his mercy and forgiveness. Go ahead.
0: Lord, you've searched us and you know us. You know when we sit down, you know when we stand up, you know our thoughts from far away. You. Observe our travels and our rest. You're aware of all of our ways. Before a word is on our tongues, you know all about it, Lord. You've encircled us. You've placed your hand on us. The wondrous knowledge is beyond us. It is lofty and we are unable to reach it. Where can we go to escape your spirit? Where can we flee from your presence? If we go up to heaven, you're there. If we make our bed and show, you're there. If we live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand leads us. Your right hand holds on to us. If we say, surely the darkness will hide us and the light around us will be night. Even the darkness isn't dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. It was you who created our inward parts. You knit us together in our mother's wombs. We will praise you because we have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and we know this very well. Our bones weren't hidden, weren't hidden from you. We weren't made in secret when we were formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw us when we were formless, and all of our days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to us, how vast they are. If we counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When we wake up, we are still with you. Search us oh God, and know our hearts. Test us and know our concerns. See if there are any offensive ways in us and lead us in the everlasting way. You are God, you are holy, you are worthy of all honor and glory and we worship you in Jesus' name, amen.
1: For this next round um, I want us to focus on uh, in the confession I want us to focus on those sins that offended that offend God right and so I'm sure we can all think of those that we thought for sure God wasn't going to forgive us for but he did so spend some time maybe being grateful for that but then trans translate that into what do you need to confess now what is what is hanging on uh, what grudges are you holding um, What do you need to ask him to forgive you for now? Uh, So if you want to do that together, go ahead. If you need to come up here to do that, um, this is your time to talk uh, with God. Uh, So go ahead.
0: I would also offer that the person that you might need to forgive doesn't have to be here for you to forgive them. You may have to find an opportunity a little bit later to to deal with them. But you, you may just need to right now just say, Lord, give me the capacity to forgive them. Help me to forgive. So if that's how you need to handle the confession time, you might want to use this time for that. We'll give you about another minute.
1: Lord, remember your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. Do not remember the sins of our youth or my acts of rebellion. In keeping with your faithful love, remember me because of your goodness, Lord. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion, completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. God, we ask that um, as we examine our hearts and as we listen to you, Lord, that we'll be sensitive to the things that we've done that have offended you, Lord, that we'll hear you gently telling us and correcting us so that we can confess and get our hearts right and, and closer to you, Lord. We thank you for your forgiveness that you so freely give. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I just read as part of the prayer the two verses that were just on the screen. Um, Psalm 25, 6 through 7, and Psalm 51, 1 through 2, which we looked at earlier with David. Um, So just another example of how to use the scriptures in in your own prayers. I think it's really easy and natural right now, after we've just been through that, to move to Thanksgiving. Um, just the gratitude I know I feel in my own heart when I think about the things that God's forgiven me for. Um, and so I've just got a couple of verses here on the next slide to help you through that as well. Uh, Micah 7:18. Who is a God like you, forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance, he does not hold on to his anger forever, because he delights in faithful love. It's another adoration of God and his characteristics, but it leads me, and hopefully you, to my gratitude and thanksgiving. And then, of course, Lamentations three twenty-two through 23. Because the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every day we can seek him, every day we can confess, every day we can mess up and he will forgive us new mercies every day. Um, So now spend some time together just being grateful and thankful uh, for the God who forgives us.
0: If you haven't already, turn your conversation to the Lord and thank Him for what you're thankful for. Father, we've just come out of a season that we call Thanksgiving. We've probably spent some time at least uh, sharing with others or maybe around the table the things that we are thankful for, but like Laura's reminded us from the passage in Lamentations, your mercies are new every morning, so our thankfulness applies to every day. Father, you have done and provided for us this day all that we've needed to make it through the day. Lord, you've provided for us in ways that we've probably not even seen. Lord, you have answered prayer, you have met needs, you have protected us. So Father, we just take a moment in our day before we bring the first request to you, to, we just say thank you. Thank you for all that you have done Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: All right, last, supplication. Um, So now our our hearts are prepared, right? We've we've acknowledged who God is. We've acknowledged his characteristics of mercy and love and grace. Uh, We've thanked him for those things. We've confessed our offenses against him. And this is where we get to bring um, our requests to him. I'm gonna change it just a little tonight, um, and I'll explain. But I'm gonna read Luke 6 35, 36. But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful. And evil, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. So, what I'm going to ask you to do is, um, you know, bring to God your desire to be forgiving. Right? We've talked about how he's forgiven us, and part of forgiveness is in us to, needing to forgive others. We're human beings. We perceive every situation differently from the person right next to us, right? And we have those, those moments of offense where we might read the situation completely differently and assume someone means something that they never meant. We all do that. So in light of what we've been talking about tonight, talk to God about how you want to be forgiving. Ask him to help you see those those situations differently what is the grudge you're holding on to what is the thing that when it comes to mind it still gets you ask God to help you be forgiving as he's told us to do um, uh, so go ahead in your groups or by yourself um, and, and use this time to do that God, we ask that you hear our prayers. We ask that um, you would show us where we're holding on to unforgiveness, Lord, so that we can experience more fully your forgiveness. Lord, as we read in Colossians tonight, we ask that you help us um, to have compassionate hearts full of kindness and humility, meekness and patience. Lord, help us to bear with one another, and if One has a complaint against another that we would forgive, forgive each other. And as Lord, as as you've forgiven us, just help us to forgive each other. Help us to put above all things love that binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to which indeed we were called in one body. Lord, we thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you all for being here tonight. We'll see you Sunday morning. God bless you.